to Night of the Living Geeks. If you geek out over it, we've got a podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of Podcastica, a Doctor Who review podcast here on NOTLG.com, episode 190, Destiny of the Daleks. My name is John, and joining me every time we figure out halfway through the week the story that we were originally going to do, we already covered, is my good friend Taylor. Taylor. Hey. Hello. How are you? <laughs> uh, I'm good. That was a That was a funny conversation. A little bit. I'm sitting there on Friday starting to watch Terror of Saigons, and I'm like, dude, I know I've watched this. I must have watched this like before flying down to Gallifrey one one time because this feels really familiar. And then I'm like, no, this feels too familiar. I need to double check. And sure enough, like episode 67 or something. Yeah. So a hundred and a hundred and thirty odd episodes. Yeah. Ago, which is very funny. So I had to break the break the news to you. We did this. I can't. I can't even believe how long ago we did this. A very long. Our sixty-eighth episode. Okay, it's close. Yeah, that is. And it, I'll tell you what was sandwiched around it. Before that, we watched Delta and the Bannermen. And, nice. And after that, we watched the Twin Dilemma. Oh god. And oh, also, okay. I know this kind of get get bleeds into our who or who news, but um, a couple episodes before that, we watched Dark or we listened to, excuse me, Dark Eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So yeah. yeah, we had to uh we had to call a bit of an audible halfway through the week. Um <laughs> and I went, Oh, we haven't I think we were there were a couple of different ideas and I went, Oh, you know what? We haven't watched this Dalek story and I think, you know, I'm glad I'm very glad we did. Yeah. So yeah, before we get into the Who news and before uh what's making us happy this week, Taylor, how are you? Uh doing good good yeah things are just kind of trucking along it kind of hitting me now oh my gosh we're getting into the like the back half of may yeah man it's wild um i'm i'm at the point because june and i mention this every year we've got three birthdays in our family that are back to back to back june second third and fourth it's my mom echo and amber and especially with shipping delays on stuff i'm like oh crap i need to start ordering stuff like right now (laughs) if not before now to just to make sure the stuff's here in time. Um, I, I hear you on that. I bet. Um, I, I will, I will quietly say that because of gravity falls, I found the mystery which also has stuff from star versus the forces of evil. And Amber really wanted a pair of like the little, I don't know. It's like a headband with little horns on it. And sure enough, they had it. I'm like, okay, I am ordering that up and it just shipped today. So I'm very happy for that. So excellent. I mean, speaking of quite enough that they can't hear that in the next room. (laughs) Great. Speaking of birthdays, it's Lauren's birthday in a couple of days here. Um, Oh, good God. Is it that close? Yes, it is. Oh, my heavens. It's four days, three days away. Oh, boy. Eight, nine, ten. Yeah. It's it's very close. Um, yeah, so I uh, I've been I think you and I spoke about some stuff. I've been I've been getting. We're big. Uh, what what we do in the shadows, fans? Oh yes. And I found some great Etsy stuff. And I mean, I guess we can do that plug at the top of the show here, guys. Go on Etsy and support some of these independent artists. Heck yes, they're great. I got we got some uh, Laszlo and Nadia headshots. 
that are framed and they look great. I'm sure she'll post pictures of them at some point. Cool. But, yeah. Did you did you wind up picking up that uh that print? That I, I sent did. The link to? Oh, good. I bought that print. I have good. like I kind of went Etsy crazy over the last couple it's, of days. It's yeah. easy to do. It's very easy to do. Absolutely. I bought some. Uh, a, somebody drew something of uh, one of my favorite wrestlers, Bam Bam Bigelow, and I have purchased that. Nice. That will be here soon. I'm very excited. Yeah, and we, you know, it's so funny, you know, buying art. Uh, you'd think we would have hung everything that we already have framed, but nope. Uh, so that's going to that be happens. the next the next project for sure. All right. So, what is making us happy this week, Taylor? Take it away. Um. Well. It's easy to say Gravity Falls still is because yes. we managed to burn through both seasons in a week. And, and well, quite honestly, my son broke down in tears uh, at the end. But we all agreed we're going to watch it again. Yeah. Um, and that's that's always awesome. And it's still like even even this evening, we're just like listening to the theme song and just kind of rocking <laughs> out to it. And, Great theme song. Um Definitely. Um, I, I likened it to if somebody has said, give me the X-Files theme, but make it upbeat. Yes. You know what else I, I never got your take on? What did you think mm. of the the weird Mageddon mix of it? Oh, it was trippy. I know, right? I it love was trippy. that. I like the very first time that uh, it played and, you know, Perrin's watching it and he's just like, whoa. Yeah. Oh, that's that's he's a little bit more of a traditionalist. Um, but the other thing, it, it just, it's nice to have a kind of like, um, a, a fabrication project that I can do with him together. So we, we made a, uh, a piece of the bus interior that's been missing, um, over the weekend out of wood and worked on it together because he really wanted to drive some nails into some wood. <laughs> um, we have a maker in the family, that's for sure. Right. Um, and so we were, we were able to do that. Um, there's a little bit more left to do to it. Um, I've been, you know, putting some pictures up on my socials about it. Um, but I'm waiting for some actual tracings of an original factory piece to be mailed to me. Somebody was nice enough to take some tracings. He's like, I'll just send them to you, man. It's all good. Oh, cool. Um, and so I can more, more faithfully recreate, uh, the missing pieces. Great. Yeah. What's making you happy? This week, let's see, what is making me happy? I mean, Lauren's birthday is making me happy. I'm getting some sure. some good stuff for her. Uh, what else? What else is making me happy this week? I, you know, I've been watching more wrestling. That's making me happy. I was kind of down and out for a while. I have a queue of matches that my friend Dan sends me from promotions that are i guess lesser known than the big bigger ones okay uh but they're it's all like japanese wrestling so he'll send me like oh boy i'll just go through them the matches from noah all japan big japan and even the all women promotion uh stardom which is great and i was kind of you know i had a, he i had a big back catalog and i kind of burned through most of it this weekend and i went oh yeah i do like wrestling still (laughs) (laughs) so i mean that was that was great i'm trying to think if there's anything else that has been ducktales is making me very happy yes we were talking about that before uh we hit record here i've been watching the first season i think i have one or two more episodes in the first season to finish but that show is it's so good and i mean you know it is it does have doctor who ties 
Oh, it absolutely does. Uh, so, you know, yeah, that's what's that's what's making me happy this week. Awesome. So let's get into the Who News. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we are starting to get some details about the whole Time Lord Victorious, like, multimedia um, yes. assault we're about to face. Yeah. I don't know what to call it. Um, so there's a couple of books that are coming uh, up. Uh, one called The Night, the Fool, and the Dead. Night meaning K-N-I-G-H-T, right. just to be clear, because I realize we are in an audio format. Um, of course, links in the show notes if you want to check it out. Mm-hmm. Um, the Doctor travels back to the dark times, an era where life flourishes and death is barely known. Then come the Kotara. I'm, that's how I'm going to pronounce it. Creatures who spread through the cosmos, dispensing mortality. They Ooh. judge each and every species and decree it's allotted time to live. For the first time, living things know the fear of ending, and they will go to any lengths to escape this grim new specter, death. The doctor's an old hand at cheating death. Now at last, he can stop it at the source. He's coming for these people whose names I have trouble pronouncing. I think Cothera is good. Yeah, okay. Ready to change everything so that life wins from the start. Not just the last of the Time Lords, the Time Lord. Victorious. Interesting. Um, yeah, and then the the other uh, book has the rather uh, creepifying title of All Flesh is Grass. <laughs> Don't like it. I yeah I'm I'm not so sure uh, a wasteland a dead world no there's a biodome rising from the ashes no I don't think uh, <laughs> Polly Shore is right. inside it right. uh, but man wouldn't it be great if he was here life teems and flourishes with strange lush plants and many winged insects with bright carapaces uh, and one solitary sentient creature who spends its days talking to the insects and tending this lonely garden. This is Inyit, the last of the Kotara. Oh, oh, I see they're connected. Okay, okay. In this book, we are transported back to the Dark Times. The Tenth Doctor is sworn to stop them, ending the death and bringing life to the universe, but his plan is unraveling instead of bringing life. Nothing has changed, and all around him, people are dying. Well, that sounds about right. Yep. Death is everywhere. Now we must confront his former selves, one in league with their greatest nemesis, and the other manning a ship of the undead interesting yeah so we've got those coming up and i am looking to see oh here we go they are coming out uh in october and december of this year respectively so there you go with those um now there has been an entire uh lockdown who in the week between our last recording and this recording they did the fires of pompeii um it was glorious i'm sure um but as with all of this stuff they have some bonus things so there's a link to watch the descendants of pompeii uh in the show notes there i again one of those things haven't had a moment to watch it (laughs) work is keeping me very busy right now which i'm not going to complain about because i'm employed and i am grateful for that but the link to it is in the show notes go and check it out i hear good things of it um and before we dive into our last story, which I'm just going to double check and make sure that the Radio Times site is muted on my browser. Um, <laughs> I do that too. Things happen, you yeah. know. Um, uh, the This week's free big finish uh, is the first chapter of Dark Eyes that you and I uh, reviewed. Way back when. Some 130-odd episodes ago. Yes. 
um, which is great. I'm not going to download it, obviously, because I already have it. Mm -hmm. Um, But it it really is. I can totally vouch for it and say the entire uh, first volume of Dark Eyes is great. And I encourage everyone to pick it up uh, because it is so well done. Yeah, it's uh, it is very, very good. And definitely check it out. It's a, it's like half off, basically. Yeah. Are they all half off? Yeah, they're all half I, off. I think so. Yeah, there's four parts so. to it. The mm-hmm. first part is what we we reviewed, but four altogether. Yeah, exactly. Um, so by all means, check that out. But speaking of Big Finish, a Doctor Who story lost uh, that was written by legendary TV producer John Lloyd is finally going to see the light of day. Now, this is a story called The Doomsday Contract. Uh, and it was originally intended to be a televised story in the 1970s. Uh, so it would have been a fourth Doctor story. Uh-huh. Um, so in the late 70s, um, uh, John Lloyd was the flatmate of Doctor Who script editor Douglas Adams. Uh-huh. Um, and he pitched a story called The Doomsday Contract. And though it was never produced, it's going to be done as an audio story. Done by Big Finish, Tom Baker, Lala Ward, John Leeson, all reprising their roles. Um, and here is the synopsis, 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 synopsis. I think I need some schnapps to go with the synopsis. <laughs> um, Earth, a small, insignificant planet entirely devoid of intelligent life. Oh, it takes place in 2020, I see. Um, <laughs> at least that's according to the legal documents. The Doctor, Romana, and Canine find themselves at the center of a most unusual trial. An intergalactic corporation want to bulldoze the planet for a development project Huh, I gotta see when uh, Douglas Adams wrote Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Boy, does that sound familiar. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, only a previous court's preservation document is standing in their way. The doctor has been summoned as an expert witness. If he can prove the Earth contains intelligent life, the whole world will be saved. But with a fortune at stake, it was never going to be that simple. So uh, let's see here. Uh, this would have been produced in what? The late, it's in the late 70s? I, yes, in the late 1970s, Lloyd is a flatmate of Douglas Adams. Um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, the first book, came out in 1979. Oh, very similar timing then. Yes. 79, oh, 80, 82, 84. Okay. 92 in 2009. And another thing. Oh, that's probably that was released post humanist. Posthumously. Yes. That too. That too. <laughs> um, okay. So, so interesting. Oh my gosh. We may, because it's in the very first Hitchhiker's Guide book that, you know, we have our our Vogons and their constructorships it is looking cr- to bulldoze the planet. It is crazy to think how much of his ideas for Doctor Who influenced Hitchhikers, right? It's so weird. Oh, yeah, there's there's quite a bit. Crazy. Yep. All right. Oh, we love have... It, did, did we mention the, the next... Um, oh, no, you're right. Thank you. The next Lockdown Who is happening on Wednesday, May 20th. So if it is that day or just before that day pay attention uh starts at 11 a.m pacific daylight time so that's uh seven o'clock british standard or, sorry british summertime and they are doing the episode listen oh I've uh, heard of that. yep <laughs> moffitt and uh director doug mckinnon will be tweeting hashtag is fear is a superpower yep not the shortest hashtag they've ever done i don't think but it works it's it's um it's good 
<laughs> I guess, yes, it works. It's unique, so you'll find yes. everything under there. Precisely, hopefully. and that is that is the goal of these. All right, so this week we watched Destiny of the Daleks, starring Tom Baker as the Doctor, Lala Ward as Romana Dose, if you will, uh, yes. David Gooderson as Davros, Roy uh, Skelton as the voice of the cough of K-9, and Tim Barlow as Tyson. It was written by Terry Nation and directed by Ken Grieve. It first aired September 1st through the 22nd, 1979, and it is the first story of season 17. And we have some story notes from the fine folks over at TARDIS Wikia. Indeed we do, and I'd like to just point out that the third episode of Destiny of the Daleks would have aired the day before my third birthday. Whoa. Yeah, September 15th would have been episode three nice and my birthday is the 16th that's kind of cool anyway um the doctor reads origins of the universe by ulan kolafid uh after he's trapped under some rubble and says oh he got it wrong on the first line why didn't he ask someone who saw it happen well <laughs> kolafid is a character from the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy oh wow so there is douglas adams oh, tucking once, in once again yep mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> amazing i love it Gotta love it. This is currently the only story since 1973's story, The Green Death, where each individual segment is labeled as an episode rather than a part. The latter part having been utilized since the recently reviewed by us, The Time Warrior. Oh, look at that. Yep. Yep. Um, I don't know if you noticed, John, but boy, I sure did. This is the least scored story in all of Dudley Simpson's time as incidental music composer. Oh! No episode. Get this. This is, this is going to win you trivia at Pub Night. No episode has more than 90 seconds of music. Wow. Episode four has none. That's crazy because, I, you know what? I, I feel like I was going to put a note down about that, but then I was thinking, well, I haven't really done any music notes in a while, so maybe that's just how it is. I did remember the music that I think it's when they were trying to escape the Daleks the first time that was kind of wacky. And I was mm-hmm. like, what is happening? Yep. But that's yep. very interesting. The least scored story. He's like, ah, forget yeah. it. Who cares? Of, of Dudley Simpson's whole time. Now there might be other stories where somebody else was in charge right. of incidental music. Um, but of at least to his run, this, this is the story with the least. Um, and although canine has no dialogue in the story due to suffering from laryngitis, because apparently robot dogs can catch it, uh, he is heard to croak at the start of episode one, and the croak was provided by Roy Skelton. Why is that? <laughs> why um, did, Why was he in this story for a moment? Why was canine in the story yeah. for a moment? That I'm not as certain as to the whole so um, voice issued um and i am trying to get down to it really quickly here um see i can never okay okay so in the myths section yes okay again myths Myths. keep this in mind uh canine does not appear because a replacement for john leeson who voiced canine had not yet been cast david Brierley had already been given the role over three months before the serial was made um the actual reason for canine's absence, here we go, right? So the myth was what I just said. The yes. actual reason for canine's absence was because the prop was unsuitable for the large amount of location filming. Oh. Yep. 
Um, now, let's see, uh, David Bailey's fact uh, of fiction article in Doctor Who magazine number 389 states that Terry Nation had refused to include K-9 in his storyline as he felt that for the Daleks not to be able to destroy K-9 would make them seem weak. Fair. Like, okay. I get it. I will run with that. I get it. <clears throat> no, I don't know. Uh, I knew th- I knew they had explained a little bit more, but I was like, man, that's going to make this story note really, really long. <laughs> that's fine. So, yeah. I'm just wondering, you know, why he was even in it at all. Yeah, I because K9 I guess they is needed... someone on the tar. I mean, I guess they could have walked out and uh, Tom Baker could have just shouted something at K9. And well, that yeah, that would have been it. And I guess he needed uh, Tom Baker needed something to do while Romana uh, regenerated. Yes. So yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. Well, lastly, to this week, the Davros mask. Uh, was Michael Wishers from Genesis of the Daleks and was only repaired to fit David Gooderson as there wasn't money in the budget to make an entirely new one. Hopefully it didn't smell too much like him. Uh, because the mask was too small to fit properly, Davros's mouth was noticeably stiff whenever he talks. Jeez. And I did, I did notice that. Yeah, I also noticed that. Man, they could, I mean, I get it, like, wasn't in the budget is that should just be the BBC's catchphrase. Right. Um, but man, yeah, that mask was looking rough. It looked like it had seen some better days, but anyway, Honestly, it looks like it had been down there for centuries. <laughs> yes. That yes. Very true. Like it had lived as long as Davros had been in hibernation. Precisely. Woof. All right. Well, before we <laughs> uh, get to discussing, we have a world famous synopsis. So take it away, Taylor. Indeed we do. The Doctor and Romana find themselves inadvertently on Scaro centuries after he was last there. Insert cross-reference to Genesis the Daleks here. (laughs) Both the Daleks and the Movellans, who appear to have escaped from a Buggles music video, are trying to find a very cobweb-covered Davros way, way down in his base. Why are they both trying to find Davros? What can he possibly offer either group? Well, the answer may well determine the destiny of the Daleks. Oh, Nice. Thank you. Nice. So uh, how are we feeling about this overall? Overall feelings? Um, It was a good story. I don't know that it was a great story. Um, I enjoyed it, but I feel like it almost feels like you could have possibly edited out an entire episode worth of slowness. Yeah. You know what? I could see that. Um, I, see I kind that. of feel like because this is the same season as City of Death. I mean, Um, the next episode, City of Death. Exactly. But I feel like this episode sets up the precedent for this season of like, we're going to watch people walk places a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I I feel like we get a lot of walking places. Yes. And I will. I mean, my overall feelings, I enjoyed it. I like it was good. I don't think it was great. Um, I thought there was a lot of interesting stuff in here. And you were talking about people walking along at great lengths, and I must say, I think it's because, I mean, at least in City of Death and in Destiny of the Daleks, we had two great set pieces. Yeah. I believe they were in, was it Dorset? Dorset? Dorset. Dorset. Uh, Mm -hmm. Beautiful location. I Like, one of my first notes is, where in the world were the exteriors at the beginning of Part 1 filmed? Yeah, this is a very unique quarry yes this doesn't look like any other quarry they've been in um just with these caves and uh a lot more like harsh angles it's not just all hilly and rocky um 
It's cool. I mean, it looks like they found, I almost want to say like a castle or the remains of a castle. Mm-hmm. It, there's a lot of greenery and rocks. I mean, it yeah. is a quarry, but it is the most elaborate one we've ever seen. It looked like if you look at some of the the shots of Romana and the doctor walking up uh, before they witnessed the, the rock burial of one yep. of the uh, captives of the Daleks. It, there's a lot of like stuff built into the the side of mountains that was already there. So yeah, I could not get over how great this looked. Great set location for sure. Love, love, love it. Yeah. So let's talk about Romana. This is the first time we are seeing the regeneration of Romana into Romana Two. Mm-hmm. Uh. Lala Ward. This is um a very interesting way of regen. She's just trying on bodies. Yeah, that's a new one, isn't it? Yes. I mean, it's kind of we kind of get that. I mean, in later doctors, we get the hint of at least with twelve, we get the hint that they have picked the body for a reason. Yeah. But with with Romana, she's just going through people she's met before, and I I, I love the um. This is the opening scene where she's trying on different bodies and uh, the doctor is just trying to fix our um, sick dog, our sick robot dog. Yeah. Um, and he's, I, he, I, she keeps changing and he's like, nope, nope, nope. And then he just kind of settles on um, Ramana as she, as she looks throughout the series. But I love that he only settles on it because she's dressed exactly like him. At well, the at the I, beginning, she's wearing his scarf, his jacket, and his hat, and he's like, "Oh, yeah. this is great." Yes, but if uh, I kind of got caught on, and again, this is this is obviously you know my my twenty twenty mind looking at something almost uh, what forty one years ago now. Oh, I know. Um, but I feel like we should discuss the doctor having a say in what Romana looks like. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. I mean, at the end of the day, he does not have the say at the end, kind of, because he he already said, no, you can't go look running around like that as her. And she's like, the hell I can and just ends up doing it anyway. But yeah, it was very strange uh, with the yes, with the the eyes in the future looking back at the past. Yeah, and 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 I I get it. I mean, it's just it's it's the the world, the lens through which we view the world now. Um, but it's it's again, it's like you don't get to dictate the standards of beauty. Yes, what the heck. I I do like. Uh, let's get to Romana's uh her the outfit she ends up choosing because it is basically a a version of what Tom Baker is wearing. Precisely. Uh, minus, I think, a hat, and just it. Ha- she has the scarf. She has the the jacket and the boots, and the, it's basically what Tom Baker's wearing. And I don't know. Have we ever seen a companion up to this point dress so similarly to the you know our main character? I I don't think so. I don't really don't think we have. But yeah, I mean, right down. Honestly, I would say right down to the shirt. I mean, it's basically. Yeah. Here's a pattern of uh, Tom Baker's outfit, but in, you know, pinks and roses, you know, rose color. I should say not like roses right, right, right. themselves and a, and a white scarf. And I, I feel like 
Oh God, I could be wrong, but I feel like at some point she either does get a hat for a short while, or maybe she's just wearing the doctor's hat. She wears the, yeah, I know she wears the doctor's hat at the very beginning when she's wearing all of his stuff. Yeah, no, I'm thinking, I mean, I'm thinking of this outfit, the pink outfit in another story. Oh, I mean, maybe Uh, in, maybe in City of Death. I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe she has a hat on in that. I can't remember now. But I will say, um, I think it, I, I don't know if this was done on purpose or if people were just like, oh, it'd be nice if she had something that looks similar. I mean, she is dressed almost exactly like our main character, thus kind of putting them on par with each other. Oh, definitely. Which I, I really enjoy. And I mean, we knew uh, Romana 1, very capable. Romana 2, also very capable throughout this story. I mean, uh, faking death, stopping both of her hearts. Yes. To uh, get out of a lot of uh, death fake or faking of death here in this story. Although I have to say it, I feel like she has this idea of like, oh, well, I can do this thing with my hearts. I'm just going to do it now. And the Daleks are like, don't move her now. Wait until the end of the shift. And I figure somewhere in her mind, she's going, oh, crap. Now I (laughs) I just got to lay here until their shift is done. Yeah. Uh, Okay. I'll, I'll make it work somehow. Yeah. I'll make it, I'll make it work. And I mean, she also like gets into that, that fight at the end uh, where she, she literally kicks an Android's arm off or a robot's arm off, which was crazy. Oh my God. One of, one of the, the, one of the silliest and most sudden like dismemberment fights. Oh, I think I will say, I mean, while we're on the subject of the fights in, in this, they were pretty uh subpar yeah if we're you know we're going towards the end i mean the arm kicking off was pretty surprising but all of the tussles when we are taking over the ship with Mm -hmm. uh i guess we'll just call them the rebels or the humans the humanoids the the slaves the slaves are taking over the ship it's basically like was this the the 20th take on a 12 hour day like what was happening here just tired i don't know like they're just like slowly walking over to people and pushing them over and they're just falling over yeah their battery flashlights that power them whatever oh what we'll get we'll get to that i know we'll get to that but yeah um it was just very strange uh with all the fight scenes besides like yeah i know i think all of the fight scenes were very felt very subpar like nobody was really trying yeah, I'm I'm not sure what the reason for that was. Even even the the death by Daleks were very kind of like Oh my goodness. That okay, one wo- I'm going to photo negative you and you're going to fall over now. Yes, I know which one woman you're talking about. That there's like, at the oh, end. Man. Oh my goodness. There's um this woman who just calmly walks onto screen. She gets blasted by a Dalek and just like slowly falls over. I'm like, what is happening? Yeah. It, 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 I'm sorry, you know, death by Dalek Ray is painful. Your body has to go through some sort of agony and then collapse over. It's not just pause so we can do the photo effect. Okay, now, now fall down, but, but, but don't hurt yourself. It needs to just lay yourself gently. It needs to be somewhere between this woman, woman's uh, Dalek death and that one guy who gets, I can't remember what story it is. He gets shot with the laser and, basically does crazy dance moves and then pauses, oh, yes. pauses yes. and falls over. It needs to be yes, somewhere yes. in between there. 
there are both ends of that spectrum. Yes. Absolutely. Oh, God, I don't remember what story that was. Was it Death to the Daleks, third Doctor story? I can't remember. Oh, I can see it in my head, but I don't remember. Yeah, story. but it was somebody, great. Whatever. Shout tweeting at us. It was so funny. I do remember yeah. that just being yeah. absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, I have a note that the takeover scene is just rough in episode four. It it's just, is. It's so it bad. Is, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and even the Movellans die slowly with with bloop, 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 Oh, bloop, the Movellans. I'm trying sounds. to think if there's anything else I want to say about Romana before we move I'm on. I'm sorry. I keep trying to. No, I mean, the Movellans, we're going to spend at least 40 minutes on the Movellans. Oh, good heavens. No, 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 we won't. Um, I will say, you know, um, the the banter between the Doctor and Romana is great. I love when she tells him not to go anywhere when he's trapped underneath the pillar. Mm -hmm. I thought that was very funny. That whole scene, him being trapped under the pillar was absolutely ridiculous, where he's just reading a book. Well, he's just trapped under it like ho-hum. Yep. Love it. Absolutely love it. So, yeah, we mentioned the Movellans, and these are, um, at, or as I called them, the upon first sight, the Rick James cosplayers. Yes. Give it to oh, me, baby. Yes. <laughs> these, uh, oh. Yeah, basically. I know. That's what I was thinking of. <laughs> so the Movellans, um, I mean, the big reveal it, we'll just get to that. Is that they are robots as well? They are. Which I mean, I, I mean, I, I know Daleks are mainly robotic, but at their core, they do they are run by some sort of mutant. Yes. You know. So, but I think these organics. Yeah, these are full on robots. Yeah, I know. You know. Favorites. Yeah. Um, but these uh these Mavellans. They are dressed in all white. They yep. have silver belts, which have a flashlight device on it, which is it powers them. So basically, if you remove it, they just become uh, inoperative. They just fall over. And they all have Rick James style, like beaded hair, and it's white. Yep. And their leader has black braids, uh, black beads instead of uh, silver beads. And 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 they are all for the most part um all fairly attractive people like like whoever, oh yeah whoever just, casted them they knew what they were doing were like you know there's there's the one guy who's like hey somebody should stay behind to set this thing off and and cheryl the or cheryl cheryl oh the the gen or the commander leader, the commander goes yes that's a great idea you will do it and he's like uh okay yeah, uh, we'll get into their habits in a minute here, but they're also so they're dressed in all white and they are wearing like tight white spandex from head to toe. And then they have this very interesting like I don't even know what design you would call this tailor, the V-neck kind of sweater they're wearing. The deep oh, yeah. V. It's a deep it's V, guys. Don't don't get V-tune. it wrong. Yes, a deep V. Yes, absolutely. Um and they are very logical. Um and at first, you kind of don't know why until you find out they're robots. Mm-hmm. Um, they also have. We got to talk about their killer spaceship. Oh yes, my! I love this goodness, spaceship. dude. The spaceship is great. This spaceship is fantastic, and they did such a good job with the design of it. Like it has the silver top that looks just like a base, and then the bottom half, which looks like the bottom of a top. 
that you would spin, which is funny because the bottom of it spins into the ground, thus you know putting them into the earth, which is awesome. It, oh, it, it literally looks so drills good. into the ground, which is yeah, and and the effect was great of that. The practical and the visual with the mm-hmm. the green little lasers coming out of the bottom. <laughs> yes, it yes. was great. I loved this thing. Yeah. Um, and then even when they would do like shots of it in the rock quarry, I was like, this is great. I love, I loved everything about this ship. It was, it was probably, it's probably one of my more favorite. If I had to go through all the ships in Doctor Who, I, this one would be up there. I really, really liked the design and the interior is also very interesting. Much oh like God, the interiors. Fascinating. It kind of reminded me of, um, a space odyssey, right? Oh, I could kind of see that. I mean, I have only seen that movie. I have only seen that movie once in a very long time ago, but Oh my gosh. I've seen it, yeah, I've seen it a few times. But yes. It's a clean room. Basically. It is. It's it's very clean, very white, except for this one room that is pink. Yes, the one room that's pink. Um and Which I wouldn't think for the inside of a spaceship, but you know, I'm 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 fine with it. Yeah, ev- designer. everything is white, uh, white and silver. And then some of the buttons are a different color. There's also a control room that has a big screen, black and white TV because sure. Um, but yeah, their <laughs> ship was their ship was pretty cool. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. another fun element is this this cone gun, as I called it. I love their guns so much. They're great. They're they are, they're one of my favorite weapons i think in all of doctor who just based on looks yeah it, it's uh you i don't even know what you would call the base of it but it looks like you you put your hand all the way into it and hold on to something in there yeah it's it's kind of kind of gauntlet like where it yes. covers the entire hand and it's got um this pink like triangular thing coming out of the top of it kind of looks like I don't even know what to describe it, but it's it glows too, and it can apparently also it can be set to it, it's very powerful. It can be mm-hmm. set to uh, stun slash knock someone out and explode Daleks with one shot. It's great. I love this yeah. gun. It's very oh, yeah. cool looking. It's good stuff. I mean, whoever sat down in the costume department and said, "Let let's put all these different elements together." Yes, they they pulled it off. You would not think that Rick James beaded hair would work for any race of aliens or even humans to some extent. Yes. Um, but but dang, it works here. Um, and, it, and it becomes memorable enough to actually come back in the modern series, even just for a smidge. It does? It does. In what? In, in, the, in, in, the, in the little intro where we meet Bill for the first time. Oh, really? Yes. There's Movellans in the background. Oh, that's great. Movellans battling Daleks, which might which might place the introduction of Bill in this episode. Oh, interesting. Possibly? Interesting. Hmm. I, I don't know. I'd, I'd have to think about that. Yeah. Huh. I had no idea. Wow. That's crazy. Guys. Yeah. Guys, breaking news. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, I mean, some other we talked about, you know, the they're robots. They act very logically. There was one thing that kind of took me by surprise. And let me see if I can if I can find it in my here it is. So 
at the end of episode, I think it's three, where Romana is trapped in the in the tube of destruction, as I called it. Oh yes, yes, I'm trapped in a glass tube of destruction. Yes, um, <laughs> and the Mavellans knock out the Doctor at the beginning of episode four, and right before the timer goes off and the timer goes off, but then it resets to like 9,999 or something like that. Mm. And uh, the leader go points at it and says, what is he, what does he say? He says uh, malfunction. Yes. Malfunction. Mm-hmm. And this guy in the background goes, Oh, uh, I no, no malfunction. I didn't arm the device because we were just trying to get the doctor out in the open. And no, we're- just using Romana's bait, basically. Yes, and the leader goes, all right, yeah, sounds good, and then, <laughs> or sounds logical, or something like that. And I thought that was so strange, because if this was any other alien race on Doctor Who, that dude would have been exploded immediately. <laughs> right? Yeah, no, you're right. So I thought that was a very interesting side to the Mavellans was... If it logically made sense, then it was in uh, in play for anybody, mm-hmm. which I thought was very interesting. Yeah, that is. That is. That's a good catch. So, Mavellans. Mavellans, they are, uh, you know, they're kind of hunting the Daleks. They're trying to, they're in a big war with them, and it uh, it turns out that the Daleks are, are looking for someone or something. And yeah, that is someone. <laughs> and it they're, is... Both, they're both the Daleks and the Movellans. They're they're basically at a stalemate. Yes, a stalemate because they are both of like minds. Yes, we eventually find out in episode four after lots of rock paper scissors. Oh my goodness! So much rock paper scissors. <laughs> what was that about? But John, is is there is there one that you you tend to throw more than the others in rock paper scissors? I haven't. I can't even remember the last time I played rock paper scissors. Okay, fair, but it would probably be scissors. Oh, interesting. Because I, I, I think I tend to throw paper more than. It's been a while since I played two. But yeah, mine first. I'll remember that when I play against you next. There we go. We'll we'll sit uh, hopefully at LobbyCon next year. <sighs> here's hoping. Yeah, here's here's hoping okay. indeed. But uh, Daleks are looking for something. They are, you know, they have all these slaves moving rock, and it turns out that they are trying to find uh, Davros. And they, they, well, the Doctor finds him first. And I actually was, I, I thought to myself, so he was just dormant, and now all of a sudden he turned on. But I, they explained that later, so I went, okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was like, well played, show. And and Davros, after all that time, is not sitting here going like, "Look, did I really need to pee break?" Um, no. But also at the same time, is like, I don't want any of your stinking jelly babies. Oh yeah, he knocks him out of his hand. I just knocks jerk. him away. <laughs> what a jerk! So yeah. uh, I mean, there was a lot of uh, Davros and the Doctor stuff going on here, and it was all great. Mm-hmm. It was fantastic. I think uh, there was. Uh, <laughs> There's a couple of good parts in in part three where the doctor is trying to use uh, reverse psychology on on Davros because he's like, oh well, they clearly don't need you. Um, and they're like, the minute Davros awakens, the doctor's just absolutely done with him, just within mm-hmm. within moments. 
and there's a couple of great scenes between them in part in part three where Davros says, I cannot allow myself the luxury of death. And the doctor replies, oh, poor Davros. Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, the the level that Tom Baker goes to in interacting with Davros um, and and almost the manic levels when he's basically using Davros as um, not a pawn, but also not well, kind of as a bargaining chip. Yes. With with the Daleks. And he's like, look, I got this bomb. I'll drop I'll drop it right down his pants here or right down his you know chair. Yeah. And and kaboom. And so, yeah, and he he gets really kind of wild eyed. Yeah. Crazy looking. And I love it. I am I am 100 percent here for bonkers Baker. Oh, yes, it was great. Very good. Very, very good stuff. But not only with with uh, with Davros, but also, like I said earlier, with Ramana, great stuff from Baker here. I mean, per usual, Mm -hmm. per usual i'm trying to think if there's um i'm still surprised about that that music note oh yeah because i did notice i'm like i'm not really hearing any music no and and at least for myself knowing that story note ahead of time and going into it it made the music stand out even more yes i mean i i i don't think i have a an actual note written down about it but it is um like the the weird wacky music when um the mavellans uh one of our former our escaped slaves um tyson sorry mm-hmm. and uh the doctor when they escape there's like some weird wacky music you know it was stood out very much so oh yeah there also is there's um well, yeah i'm pretty sure it's episode three where um I guess, I don't know, Davros's chair is recharging or something, and so the Doctor literally just has to push Davros around. Yes. Which I think is hilarious. Yes. Um, and some of the music that is playing in the background while Davros is being pushed around the set. Oh, yeah. It's also... Was yeah. also just this kind of silly, hilarious, doesn't quite fit music. Is that around the time when they they escape up the, the rope? When they they go up uh, above ground and the doctor turns around and goes, if you're supposed to be the superior race of the universe, why don't you try climbing after us? No, that's an episode. Like I think that's an episode one, if I'm not oh, mistaken. If, if not two. I will. But yes, that was. Yeah. I will say, I, was Tom Baker trying out the new catchphrase of bye bye? Because I feel like he said it 18,000 times in this. Oh, gosh. I don't know. I didn't notice. He said it then. He also said bye bye to Davros. He said it bye bye to somebody else. He was saying <laughs> bye bye a lot. And oh, I don't know funny. if that's just something I noticed just in this uh, this story or if that's a running thing that's been happening. I, you know, I'm not sure. I would love to see yeah, if he I'm says sure. b- if he says bye bye to Duggan because I very sure no he goes bye Duggan because they wave yes. to him from the- yeah they shout it from the from the ground yeah oh, Duggan Duggan you I know, mean speaking I, of I, I have to say before before you say that I'm sorry I don't mean to interrupt no, but no. Um, our friends over at Gallifrey Public Radio just did their rewatch of City of Death oh great and it it was a delight to listen to and I will I will highly recommend. 
that if you don't regularly listen to those guys, you go over and check out their review of City of Death because they love Duggan just as much. Oh well, he's we we love we <laughs> we love City of Death. We love Duggan. Definitely. Um. Yeah. Love it. Oh man, Duggan. I mean, speaking of Duggan, there was a lot of smashing and exploding in this. There was a whole lot of exploding. I don't know if any of it rates on the Duggan scale, mainly because it was there was some some Kool Aid Man smashing. There was from the Daleks through some walls a couple of times. Yeah, none of it really screamed Duggan smash to me. No, um, um, but you could have just about set the eighteen twelve overture to the Daleks exploding. Oh my goodness! Episode. So let's talk about uh, about this because okay. the initial setup to this comes in episode two, where the doctor, when we talked about uh, the doctor bargaining with the Daleks to with the explosive device, mm-hmm. um, and Davros goes, "That's a good idea. Let's get all of these explosive devices and strap them to the Daleks, and you guys go." Basically on a suicide uh, mission. Yeah, that's, I mean, even for 1979, like, I know that there were, like, IRA bombings and stuff yeah. in the UK. So, so having Dalek suicide bombers, that's, that's kind of heavy. Yes, and they, they are on their way to, to do this, but to take care of uh, uh, the Mavellans. And mm. um, that doesn't happen because the doctor, I thought he was going to try and arm wrestle Davros. <laughs> but he just kind of like brings his hand up and lets go of it really quick and uh Davros hits a bu- the big red button on his on his uh control panel and all of the Daleks explode and it is uh quite a sight. It is, you know, but one of actually kind of right in that same um bit of story is one of one of my favorite directing pieces is where um the doctor is kind of kneeled down kind of again going for the switch or kind of talking to Davros about it and you can see in the background this Dalek just silently moving up behind him yeah basically like don't move and the look on Baker's face it was as he jumps yes uh, from that uh directive was just I loved I loved that bit yes very very cool very cool but all the doll I mean that must have been a lot of fun because there are I'd say, unless they were, you know, cheating with camera angles, it looks like they exploded, I'd say, three, four, five, six, seven, maybe like eight or nine Daleks. At least, yeah. And I don't think it was necessarily a camera angle thing because the different times they blow up, there's different numbers of Daleks blowing up. If it was like, oh, here's four Daleks, and we shot it from three different angles, and it's four Daleks blowing up three different times, I'd say, yeah, probably is but it's like you know it's like two and then it's you know a bunch it's like five or six five or something yeah so do you think when they do this it's because they're like all right we need to read we need to redesign the daleks or there's too many that look like crap let's just explode them (laughs) because i you know i i don't know honestly i i think it can be for different reasons at different times that's for sure because sometimes you know uh some of these pieces are reused and reused and reused and they will get really worn out. And it's like, okay, well, you know, we need to blow up a Dalek. Well, you know, let's, let's 
do that one because it's it's looking pretty rough but we yeah. just built these ones for this story so let's not blow those up we can use those for the next handful of dalek stories um or at the same time i don't know i mean maybe they've got ones that are like oh no no these these are the ones that we put a person in and we can roll around you know here's ones that we basically just slap on together a on a frame <laughs> um, yeah pull on a rope basically um and you know because i think they're I mean, they're pretty much just mostly made of, of wood. Right. Um, so it's like, okay, let's, let's hastily make some like basically prop Daleks. Mm -hmm. And those are the ones we blow up. And these, you know, as, as they're burning and, and flailing and going everywhere, I mean, you can kind of see the frame that they're yeah. built on. Right. As stuff falls over. And it doesn't necessarily, not that I'm by any means an expert, uh, look like the same kind of frame where you'd be able to kind of sit in it and roll around as uh, as a Dalek operator. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. That'd be a good question. That would be something to a question to bring up at a at a you know a interview. At, yes, at a future Gallifrey one. I will also say that I really enjoy the color scheme of these Daleks. Mm -hmm. um, they're they're all gray. And they got the blue part on their eye stock, which I think is very cool with the black little uh, balls at the bottom there. I, I really like this. I don't know if I if this is just the first time of me noticing it. Um, well, it's, def it's definitely a very early Dalek design look because I think they had the same color scheme at least as far back as the second Doctor. Right. If I'm not mistaken, again. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, possibly. I mean, who knows? We'll never Somebody know. Does. Somebody does. Uh, but I think, I think, I think the events of this story kind of set up. You remember in Remembrance of the Daleks, we have different warring factions of Daleks. Yes. Right. Ones that follow, like you know, the the supreme Dalek, the big you know egg-headed Dalek, and then the Renegades. Um, and I, I think that kind of stems out of this because the supreme Dalek has come kind of come into being while Davros has been in hibernation. Yes. Oh, yes. Like, I he, ain't having that. I am the creator. Yeah, he is not happy about that. He's very upset about that. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I, I feel like. So, I, I mean, one of the, the things you talked about that made this a good story, not a great story, is it felt like a mm -hmm. lot of it could have been cut out. And it kind of felt like as I was watching episode one, I went, oh, that's a cliffhanger. Oh, that's a cliffhanger. Like there's a lot of cliffhangery things that could have gone at the end of episodes. Right. There's the, uh, you know, the first of all, the explosion that covers the TARDIS in rocks as Ram Ramana goes back to it. Yes. Um, also, uh, you know, the doctor being cr seemingly crushed by a pillar. Mm-hmm. That's also another. It just felt like there was like a lot of cliffhangers going, and then Romana falling down the hole. Well, that actually, you know, the reveal of it being on Scaro was pretty cool. Yeah, and I felt, I felt like, how cool would it have been if they didn't reveal in the first episode that it was called Destiny of the Daleks, and they just called it Destiny the first episode when it aired for the first time? Oh gosh, because that would have been crazy. Just imagine like the end you find out they're on Scaro and then Daleks show up. Yeah. I, man, I don't with how they structure that kind of stuff and put out like TV listings and stuff. I don't know how easily that could have been done, but that would have been cool. 
Yeah, that would have been. I, I, I will admit that. Um, speaking of episode one, speaking of the earthquake and the rocks falling in front of the TARDIS and stuff, um, whatever effect they created or did to make the ground look like it's shaking in this quarry. Oh, yes. Actually looked really good. Yeah, it did. They did a very good job of that. And they, uh, Romana and the doctor did a very good acting job of that as well. Right. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. Uh, is there anything else before we, uh, before I push a button here? Um, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Let me look. No, I think, I think we should just take a moment and recognize uh, uh, Tyson's contribution. He's weather. He is kind of surly looking, but man, does he come through in a pinch? Yes, he really does. He kind of leads this this revolution, um, albeit kind of being a little like I tried to a- approach her and she fell down a hole. I'm like, dude, you were kind of <laughs> being creepy. Uh, but this yeah. is true. No, I, this I is agree. True. Although, and I'm sorry, I will, I will, I will hit one last question before we, we get to the end here. But as the Daleks are going around, going seek and locate, isn't that redundant? I mean, doesn't just <laughs> yes. locate imply that you're seeking? Yes, yes, okay. it does. Okay, I'm sorry, I was, I'm editor mind, and I'm like, wait a second, isn't you could just be more efficient to I just mean, say locate? Yes, and then located as soon as you locate the thing you are looking for. Exactly. <laughs> There you go. All right, I'm hitting the button. Hit it. Gathering close, it's time for the behind the close game. <laughs> All right, what are we thinking here, Taylor? Explosions. You know, I, explosions galore. Yeah. That's always fun. Yeah. Kids like explosions. They do. Uh, for the most part, uh, I honestly not terribly scary. In fact, I will be entirely honest with you. Uh, while watching episode three today, uh, Perrin was kind of over my shoulder because he was done with most of his schoolwork, and he was much more interested in uh, watching it than being afraid of any of it. It's and he happening. literally was like, "It is starting to happen." Actually, I, I really think he was kind of like, "Dad, I." I might want to watch some more Doctor Who. Yes. And I'm like, all right, bud, we can see about making we, that happen. We might have to change the behind the couch scale to uh what did what did Baron think of this? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. We'll see. Wow. Uh, progress. It might, it, yeah, it. it is definitely progress. Um, so and now of course I had headphones in, so we couldn't hear any right, of it. Right, right. So he's <laughs> the Daleks are like, you know, zapping these people and they're like calmly laying down <laughs> like, what's going on i'm like well they're actually killing them yeah oh oh well <laughs> well all right um yes so taylor it's it's your turn it is next time what are we watching here next time we are going forward one doctor we are going to watch terminus Starring Peter Davison as the Doctor, Janet Fielding as Tegan, Sarah Sutton as Nissa, Mark Strickson as Trillo. We're basically just getting the whole gang together from this most recent Gallifrey one uh, and, and watching them in an episode. Uh, this is written by Stephen Gallagher and directed by Mary Ridge. Yeah, should be fun. Definitely. Should be a good time. Well, um, until until next time, you can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at ThePodcastica. You can follow me on Twitter at JP Thrice, and you can follow Taylor on Twitter at BlueBoxUFO. 
Subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher and Spotify. Just search Podcastica and rate and review us as well. And you can also head on over to SoundCloud.com slash the N-O-T-L-G for this podcast and every other podcast we've ever released in the entirety of Night of the Living Geeks. Yeah, that's right. Uh, if you want to support monetarily to us, patreon.com slash N-O-T-L-G, but the message remains the same, head on over to Etsy and find find some cool art. Yeah. Support some independent artists. If you can't support them monetarily, just retweet them and put their name out there. Do what you got to do to help out the people who are not currently working. And I think that's it for us this week. So join us again next week, episode 191, as we march to 200. And we'll talk to you guys then. See ya. See ya. Hello. Oh, my goodness. What was that? Holy (laughs) moly. Dude, your voice broke. Oh, I'm leaving. What in the world? No, there's our outro. Hey.